Checkpoints, the video game book club podcast. Today we're starting our dis- discussion on Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney. I'm your host Marcus and joining me today as always are the homies. First off we have Greg. What up? Next we got Trevor. Objection. <laughs> and last but not least we got the homie Dante. Hold it! Um, and uh, since this is Dante's uh, choice, uh, I'm going to kick, uh, kick it to him, and he's going to introduce the game. Alrighty. So Phoenix Wright, Ace Attorney, is a visual novel adventure where you, you're placed in the shoes of Phoenix Wright, a rookie lawyer. The game was released originally on the Game Boy Advance back in 2001, but it has been ported to a multitude of devices, including the DS the primary version that we're all playing, essentially. The Nintendo 3DS, the Wii, the Nintendo Switch, Windows in Japan, iOS, and Android. Okay. It was developed by Capcom and directed by Shu Takemi. Takemi worked with Shinji Mikami of um, Devil May Crisis, <coughs> Devil May Cry fame on Dino Crisis. Eventually, he was given his own team and developed Gyakuten Saiban, which translates to Turnabout Trial. And um, essentially, he released a trilogy of games originally for the Game Boy Advance. He moved on to um, develop a game called Ghost Trick for the Nintendo DS and eventually went on to make a spinoff of Ace Attorney called Dai Gyakuten Saiban, which literally stands for Great Ace Attorney. Shu Takemi also voices um, Phoenix Wright in Japan. So the segment of game we played up to this point has been roughly eight hours worth of um, gameplay, which um, covers the first three trials. So for me, um, Phoenix Wright was always this really interesting thing. I found out about it when I was looking at ROMs way back in the day, and somebody translated case one of the third Ace Attorney game. I ended up picking it up and being like, wow, this is such a weird thing. I'm a lawyer and I'm presenting evidence and shouting objection (laughs) and stuff like that. And it caught me then. Eventually, the original Ace Attorney got localized and put out on the Nintendo DS in the U.S. So I got into the series from there and it's pretty much just been a roller coaster ride ever since. So like I said... In the U.S., Ace Attorney's kind of been a cult classic type of thing, whereas in Japan, it's kind of been this really big cultural movement. I don't want to call it a movement, but it's it's very popular over there. So there's six mainline games, a seventh game incoming, a manga, an anime, a movie, musicals, and then there's three spinoffs. There's Dai Gyakuten Saiban, which I already um, told you about. Gyakuten Kenji, where you play as a prosecutor, and then they also had a crossover with Professor Layton. Okay, so um, the original Ace Attorney occurs in 2016, and in the Japanese version, it takes place in Japan, whereas in the localization, they actually moved everything to, quote-unquote, take place in the United States. The story starts in Medias Res, which means in the middle of things, Phoenix Wright is in the courtroom, about to walk into his first trial. They don't really introduce anybody other than him and his boss, Mia Fey. And that kind of brings us to the beginning of the game. 
Um, and thank you for that intro. And I guess before we even get into the game, um, you kind of gave a little backstory on your history with the game. Did you say what version you were playing? So that's kind of a complicated thing. So originally I played the DS version. I have the 3DS trilogy, which is a quote-unquote HD remaster. I didn't like the art style, so I ended up playing the DS version on my phone. <laughs> so you basically, Phoenix Wright fanboy ended up and have every version, basically. That's I have cool. bought this game at least four times. Hey, no shame in that, no shame in that. Um, my, my, I myself, um, I'm playing the 3DS uh, version, I got the trilogy, and I have no history whatsoever with Phoenix Wright. I, I actually remember in college when you would... I don't know, talk about the game, or I remember you bringing it up every now and then, and uh, my only brush-up with Phoenix Wright is from the Marvel vs. Capcom series. Uh, he got introduced in the Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom 3, and he was like a weird, wonky, uh, RNG-based character, and I didn't really have any interest in the character, but uh, one of my It was probably friends... not the best first impression. Yeah, yeah. Um, but w one of my good friends, he's uh, um, in the fighting game community. He, uh, Jonas, he plays Phoenix Wright, and he's pretty good with the character, and he's a huge fan of the series. So uh, he was very excited when I told him that I would finally play a Phoenix Wright, and he, he was super excited to hear about what we had to say about this game. Um, what about you, Trevor? Do you have any background with Phoenix Wright, and what version of the game are you playing? I played the game on iOS, um, simply because y'all said that was the worst version, and I just wanted to test the waters, but um, I have no experience whatsoever with the series. I've heard about it, I've known about it, um, but I really, I got a 3DS, but I really only use it to play like Pokemon games, and so I'm glad, you know, like I think I ended up buying the trilogy just because I'll probably play the other games after we finish with this one. Okay, cool, cool. And uh, what about you, Greg? Uh, what version are you playing, and what's your background with Phoenix Wright? Um, so I'm playing on a 3DS right now. Um, so I didn't realize that I had the entire trilogy at some point. I don't know when I acquired it, but in looking for the original, I guess, Ace Attorney, um, I found out that I had all of them. So, um, I did play a little bit of the first one. I think I had finished just the first case and just kind of bounced off it because I just don't really have a strong attachment to handheld games. So, um, so yeah, I did play a little bit of it, but now this is kind of like my first time really digging into it. Cool. Cool. So I, uh, yeah, we got like, you know, one person that's familiar with the franchise and the rest of us are treading the waters and, uh, so far, what it seems like is I think the three of us new people do kind of dig the game. We'll, we'll find out though. Um, uh, we'll kick it. I'm gonna kick it back to Dante. So uh, he kind of introduced the uh, the initial case or uh, the 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 premise how you just get dropped in. So why don't you tell us about what happens on in that first case, Dante? Okay, so the first case, and this is kind of a. I don't want to say trope for the trilogy, but a standard thing with the trilogy. They kind of tell you who did it for the first case. Like, there's no mystery as far as, like, 
oh, who's the murderer or whatever, the intro scene shows um, Mr. Sawit literally clunking Cindy Stone in the back of the head with the thinker. And um, from there you go into the court, you meet Larry Butts, who is an old childhood friend of Phoenix Wright, and part of the reason Wright became an attorney in the first place. And from there, you're kind of really just thrown into the trial. Do you want to take it over for just a second? Sure. Um, so kind of like what he said, uh, basically the, the premise of the first case is uh, th- this is your first time as Phoenix Wright. Uh, this is his very first case as a defense attorney. And so his assistant or his helper in this case is uh, Mia Fay, who is his mentor and the his boss. She runs the law office that he works for. And uh, he's charged with defending his childhood friend, Larry Butts, after Larry is accused of murdering his ex-girlfriend, Cindy Stone. And um, you get to kind of, at this point, meet an uh, interesting cast of characters. So, you, you know, Phoenix, who's like a very green defense attorney and he's very uh unsure of himself he's unproven untested and uh he doesn't he he does a lot of inner inner monologues with himself when he uh talks to when he talks to witnesses and even just dealing with the other uh prosecutor and then the judge um larry he's a lovable guy uh i think phoenix wright kind of says that uh he's just he means well, he, um, he means well, but he just always is in the wrong place at the wrong time. Oh, what's up, Dante? You had something you want to say? My bad. Um, yeah, when it smells, it's usually the butts is kind of like the phrase Wright always uses, um, when describing Larry. And also, (laughs) he, um, going back to what Marcus was saying about Wright being green behind the ears or whatever, it's very interesting how they translate that into dialogue and also sometimes gameplay mechanics so one of the first things you'll notice is you'll see all of these monologues happening with Wright and he's like oh I don't know if this is gonna work out or oh I'm kind of feeling nervous right now and then that also translate to translates to the tutorial and kind of wanted to read the room on what you guys thought of the tutorial part of this just this case being the tutorial this intro case just like even like the start where it's like, oh, well, hey, right, you need to access the court record and this uh, is how you present stuff. and so- Yeah, okay, so <clears throat> so when the game opens up, uh, Mia, I think, I think it's even before you walk into the courtroom or right when you get in there, she kind of gives you, the player, a quick, like you said, tutorial on how the you're going to uh operate in this uh trial mode and um so she kind of says like oh what you need to do is you need to hit this button to access uh the evidence all the different evidence that we've uh, acquired and you can kind of read a little short blurb on every piece of evidence and they have like crucial details so like it will say like oh, here's the, uh, I think it's the coroner report for the victim. And so, like, they died of uh, head trauma caused at X time, like 9 o'clock in the af- at night or something like that. And um, you can kind of see, like, so you can see, like, a coroner report. You can kind of see the, the murder weapon 
um, and just little details and stuff on the different pieces of evidence, and you can kind of get like a little blur background information on some of the uh, characters, um, yourself, the uh, Mia, and then like the victim, the, the, the prosecutor, the judge, the defendant, so you can kind of see a little bit of background information on everybody, and she kind of tells you like, oh, you need to constantly, you know, cross cross-examine what this person is saying based off the evidence you have because you don't ever want to get caught you know like not calling somebody on some type of lie you're always like trying to check what they're saying and make sure what they're saying is actually factual and not like you know some (laughs) a lie or them forgetting some of the key details trevor how do you feel about it yeah i really like this tutorial it introduces you to like a core component of the game because and i'm sure the listeners know by now there's going to be spoilers in this but like later on in the game you actually have to use the same skills that you use in the courtroom like as far as looking through your court records presenting some of that evidence to you know people that you run into in order to use items so i think this is a really cool way to introduce that kind of mechanic um to the player and uh Trevor, I mean, I'm sorry, not Trevor. Greg, how how did you feel about the um this like brief tutorial on the trial mode? Um, kind of mirrored what everybody else is saying. Um, I I enjoyed it as well. I thought it was a pretty good introduction on kind of uh bringing you up to snuff with how the uh, um what's it the uh, court record um how that's gonna work. Um, I was interested to see how big a room for error that you had in this, if it was, if like there's going to be any tricky stuff to it, if there's going to be anything that was going to kind of throw you off course as far as, uh, getting the, uh, conviction, but it didn't seem like it was going to happen or it didn't come up this time. So, um, but I thought it was a pretty good way to introduce, uh, introduce all the uh, mechanics to the game so far. Dante, how, how did you feel about it as a, do you feel like it was adequate enough or do you feel like it was missing anything? Like I I really enjoy how they did it just because it doesn't feel like a tutorial. Like after you're done with the case, you're like, oh, that was a tutorial. But when you're in it, it just feels like, oh, I'm I need to figure out how this guy is lying. And they kind of they see the breadcrumb trail, breadcrumb trail <laughs> enough. Gross. So yeah, that is pretty gross. I object to that. But um. They seed it, so you'd never feel like you're really like being held by the hand directly. But there's just enough there that you can figure out and piece the actual events that um happened by yourself. It, it's pretty seamless too, because like even when you're actually in the case, like a lot of times. Uh, so I guess that we can kind of get into the gameplay, at least with the trial mode, is um. So the prosecutor or the, you know, the judge will ask if you guys have anything that you want to do. Then the prosecutor will call forth the first witness. The witness will give his testimony of like with the events that trans, <laughs> the events that transpired. And then it's up to you to like kind of cross examine what the witness said, his testimony. So that way you can kind of see any flaws or any things, any holes that you can poke into his, uh, 
into his uh, testimony to like kind of say like, oh, well, this person did it, couldn't have done, been here, or they couldn't have done this because of this or whatever. So the the cool thing, at least that I and the thing that I liked about it was you as the player. This is your first time going through this, and you you kind of like get dropped into it head first. But even when you're like, oh, well, what he said sounded fine to me, like you can just kind of Mia, your assistant, who's your boss, she kind of almost works like a, uh, like the manual or something. She's like, make sure you do this. And you, so she, she, she wants you to always press the witness for all the, the smallest details to make sure that they're not leaving anything out. And then that's like a, it's a good rule of thumb for this game, but it's like super interesting that like they actually, somebody makes reference of it later on in this game, but it it was a cool moment where she's like, it's like, she's coaching you as Phoenix, right? But then she's also coaching you as the player playing as Phoenix, right? Because it's like, you know, this is in theory, your first case. And this is also Phoenix Wright's first case. So it's really interesting how they uh, do that. And it doesn't seem tacky or like, like forced it, it, it seems natural even like the way she's like trying to help you along it seems like it it, it just seems seamless um dante and just a quick aside like when you press somebody on parts of their testimony even if you don't press them on something important the writing is really really good in this game in my opinion and there's always like interesting tidbits so even if you you could, like, ask them about the most random thing. It could be like, oh, I woke up at 5 o'clock today and the murder happened at 7 or something like that. And normally it will just end up being some weird aside. And they just kind of incentivize you to press in a lot of different ways. And, and like he said, it, it does seem very – the dialogue in this game is – it's awesome uh, to me. Um, it's, everything is so seamless. So like when you press some, somebody on something, uh, like they make a statement, like, uh, thought, you know, let's see, let me, let me think of a statement. Uh, I was in a hurry because he left the door. I thought he must be in a hurry because he left the door half open behind him. And then like, when you press that statement as Phoenix, Wright, Like he'll say something like, so then you like what what did he look like he was run or like did he look like he was panicked or something like that and just like every time you ask a question it seems like an actual viable question that somebody would ask in that circumstance to kind of get a gauge of what this witness actually saw and then like even like their responses sometimes they're like accusatory uh like they're like accusatory um where they're like are you trying to say that I didn't see what I saw or something like that or, you know, are you trying to say that I lied about this? Or, like, it, the, the writing in this game, like, for it, it it's like 80% of this game, or like 60, 60 to 80% of this game is just, like, has to do with just talking to people. And I don't feel like this game would go anywhere if the writing wasn't compelling and, like, like organic it just seemed realistic and it does and it's sometimes it gets like they have all different types of characters and literally like there's different characters and they all have like a character or you know they're like so there's like the wisecracking guy the the super sensual character there's like a a, a super um 
cowardly person. There's a super brave person. They have all different types of personality traits, and they they come through in the writing, and it's it's awesome to me. So like, this was the first case that you kind of get a feel for that, and uh, I, I was super into it after doing this this first case. After doing this first case, I was like, oh man, like I like where this is going. Uh, did you did you have that moment, Greg? Or because you said you played the first case a while ago, did 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 it still not hit you this after doing the first case? No, no. Nah, like I, even when I first played it, like I enjoyed it. It you know just kind of one of those things of like just the the nature of how I play games. It's just kind of like I don't I don't really play on handheld a lot, so that's the only reason I kind of bounced off it. I liked it. Um, and it's kind of the same sentiment this time around, like going through it, it, it kind of piqued my interest and, uh, and had me kind of interested to see where the, uh, the next trial would go. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, what about you, Trevor? Like, uh, how, how did you feel about just some of the writing and like specifically with this first case, you know, um, how, how did you feel like how the, some of the characters were fleshed out and just like, did it seem natural to you or did you have any enjoyment or like like wanted to see where this game was going. Yeah, you kind of touched on one of the parts that I was going to mention about the dialogue as far as each of the individual characters and how how well it influences your perception of them. Like because there's no actual voice acting in this game. It's all just written dialogue. You have to read it. But while I was reading, I could still get a sense of like how each character was actually talking. Some of their mannerisms kind of influenced like their voice that was in my head. Yeah, yeah, like like you see, like because it's kind of interesting too. Because this is like uh, the game. I don't even know how you describe this art style. It, it's like they're almost like stills that kind of have a little bit of animation in certain parts. So then, like when somebody's like super frustrated or something, like they can you can see it on their face. Like it will keep shifting back and forth between them being like smiling to being angry or something like that or being frustrated um and i i think even even with just that subtle like change in like the art like i, I feel like it does a good job of pushing across whatever personality or whatever that character is feeling in the moment in addition to the writing dante i was just gonna add on to trevor's point even though there's not dialogue they do this really smart thing where they time the beeps of the um perceived dialogue so it's one of those things where it's like beep 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 as the text is going across the screen and it changes to the tempo of the text being written to screen so even though there's nothing being said you still get an inflection of how it's being said and when you mirror that with all of the different animations in this game it comes together and it becomes this really nice cohesive package like go ahead I was going to say, how would you even describe this animation? Is it Are they stills or like... There's, there's stills, but they have a certain... I don't know, just a certain feel to them that it's not very common for games. It's more of a visual novel style. Like, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're reaction memes. That's what they are. <laughs> I, mean... I mean, it's memes before memes, and it does such a good job of like being legitimately genuine with each one of the characters feels like their own person even the smallest side character you remember their name years after you play this game which well, i think is astounding 
part of that too is these names are ridiculous. <laughs> Some should, of the, should we get into that a little bit? Yeah, like I mean, there, there's a lot to get into into this game because, like, I mean, just the characters themselves are like they feel like all unique characters within just like and the writing in this game is fantastic and just like the names too. Uh, I mean, there's there's actually not really a standout name in this first case besides like I think uh, Solid is pretty good. It is it? Frank Sawit, like oh, I didn't even get that. Uh huh. <laughs> I didn't even wow. get that. Oh, okay. So I'm the only one. Okay, okay. No, no, I, I didn't get it either until you just said that. But I, I know, like when you were saying, uh, whenever there's a bad situation or a hair, stinky situation, whenever you know, it smells, it's the butts. Yeah, and then it was funny or interesting because the detective kept calling them hairy butts instead of Larry butts. Um. Yeah, uh, they do so much good stuff with the names. Yeah, yeah, they do. Um, do we? How, how are we? How do we want to tackle this first case? Because we we lay down the groundwork. You kind of get the uh, the feeling of how to do the trial mode. A lot of what you're doing when you're listening to the witness, when uh, you're cross examining his testimony, is you're presenting evidence that contradicts the things that he's saying. Or um, should we? like cover hold it in objection and that type of stuff like, sure I mean, we have, yeah but yeah, like, yeah so each witness has their own cross test or um cross examination phase they give you certain statements you look through the statements you can either press or present pressing does what marcus was talking about earlier where you get them to elaborate on essentially what they were saying and sometimes you can get an additional statement if you find out they were you know concealing details or that's the hold it find something (laughs) yes that's the hold it so you can press a button to hold it or you can hit it's y on the um ds and speak into the microphone and just yell hold it really something like that you didn't wait you didn't know that no bro what if i told you when you're presenting evidence you hold y and you yell objection i didn't know that like is that in it the tutorial? So good. No, it's not in the tutorial. Okay, I was about to say because they don't have any kind of feature like that on iOS. You plan on the wrong system, dog? To be. <laughs> well, I do have uh, vibration, so it's got got a rumble pack in there. <laughs> Did you know that, Greg? Uh, nope. See, okay, I'm, I'm not crazy. I'm 99 sure this is in there. I, it was in I'm the not saying you're DS. wrong. I'm saying I didn't. They, I didn't know that, so I'm gonna. Definitely, the next case I play, I'm going to try that. So, uh, yeah, so if they're, if you want to them to elaborate, like he said, hold it, and that will, um, you know, he'll, he'll, Phoenix Wright will yell out, hold it, and then he'll, you know, ask his question, and they elaborate. And then, objection, uh, what happens when you object, Dante? So, pretty much when a witness is going through their little, you know, testimony thing, there's always something wrong with it. Well, I, sh- I shouldn't say always, but most of the time there's something wrong with it. And when you find out a lie and you have evidence to back your um, claim that it's a lie, you go to your court record, you present the evidence with an objection, and that's kind of how you move the gameplay along. It's kind of... the. I... 
the only, or I won't say the only thing, because I'm not sure if this is something that consistently happens or it, ha- it like doesn't happen, but you can't progress through the game without pointing out a flaw in somebody's testimony, right? So it's almost like it's kind of holding your hand in a sense where it's like the uh, Mia will be like, well, what was the contradiction in that testimony? And so like you can go through all of it and think that you've, um, you know, pointed out all the flaws and you think it's a solid testimony and then you'll get to the end and then she'll be like, Think, I want you to think hard about it, Phoenix, and blah, blah, blah. There has to be some type of contradiction here somewhere. So it's kind of like running up against the game in a sense. And, like, I'm not... I kind of wish you could... Like, there is, like, a game part of this that you can fail. And that is, is you have, like, I, I want to say, like, five chances to present um, evidence to object to a statement. And if you present the wrong evidence, the judge will be like, this doesn't have any relevance to the case. And you'll get docked. And so, like, the only, like, fail in this is if you present five pieces of evidence that wasn't relevant to whatever the discussion was. And then you'll, like, start the... You'll start from your previous save point. But, like, other than that, there's not necessarily, like... It's not a hard game, I guess. It's fun, but it's not hard, if that makes any sense. Uh, well, we haven't gotten to case four and case five. Okay, oh, so that's what I was thinking. Is like so far what we've run up against, and I have failed, where I've run up into something where it's like I don't see what's wrong with any of the statements that this person is saying, but clearly I'm missing something. So it got to a point where I was kind of just guessing evidence because I was like, "There's nothing else that I can do." I've you know, cross-examine everything else that that person has said. Uh, did you did you run into anything like that, Greg? Or no, but uh, but I did have a question for uh, Dante since he had played it previously. So there's a few sections uh, in the game where you kind of get choices, or, or it seems as if there's like branching paths. But is it just kind of like you have like you could answer it, but it's still going to be the same outcome regardless of what choice that you pick. Yeah, some of that's, well, most of it's flavor text, but I do think it does a good job of letting you, quote-unquote, customize your Phoenix right a little bit, because you can make him seem really, really incompetent in that first trial if you want to, but if you know what you're doing, like, it's bam, 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 and some of those choices you're talking about, like, they'll have repercussions if you choose the wrong answer, but other times it's just kind of one of those things where it, it just wants you to think a little bit more than you normally would. So the only real point of failure is just during the cross-examinations, like just presenting bad uh, evidence at that point, right? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Okay. Um, back to case one. (laughs) We want to, I don't want to talk about this. (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm asking that. I'm asking you, Dante, Uh, how how do you want to, I mean, let's, Let's try to go through the like this is a very difficult game to lay out for you guys, but we're gonna do our best. Yeah, yeah. Um I'll let's see. Alright. <clears throat> so basically, um 
your childhood friend is on trial, accused of murdering his ex-girlfriend with a statue-slash-clock that he built for her. And um, the witness is a person named Frank Saw It, who apparently, his name is also a pun. Spoilers. <laughs> and uh, so basically, he's uh, he's the only person that witnessed, he supposedly witnessed Larry quickly leaving uh, Stone's apartment and leaving the door open. And so he waltzed over and kind of saw what, checked what was going on. And he saw the, um, the slain body, the, the, the beaten body of Cindy Stone. And that's when he notified the police and kind of said what happened. And so basically this case, you're the entire time he's the witness and you're cross-examining a lot of the statements and, uh, things that he's saying so like you cross check them on you know did you did you actually call the police immediately because you know the the power was supposedly out in this building or did you um how did you know what time you saw it at because you know like the power was out you oh did you actually go into the um the room because earlier you said you didn't go into the room so did you or did you not and you so you kind of cross-examine him the entire time and uh you uh, eventually get him very very flustered and you come can, to go ahead can we just talk about how good the animations in this game are <laughs> like just the way he has his little like the way he goes back and forth with his shoulders as you're as he's like talking to you and he just seems like the most inconspicuous Japanese businessman ever in a video game. But he's not even a businessman. You end up finding out that he's a con, like a, a con artist almost ultimately uh, in your cross examination. Um, but yeah, like it, it's really his animation is super interesting. Cause he's kind of, like he said, he's moving his shoulders back and forth and he's like, has like a super cheery smile on his face and he's rubbing his hands together almost and um, then when you fluster him, his facial animations completely change, and he's a little bit angry and like more tense. And he it's really... throws his toupee at you. <laughs> yeah, so it, it, it's really um, it's really interesting, and, and it's cool too because as you are, I mean, this witness is supposed to be sealing the case, you know, for the prosecutor, and even like when you are, um, when you are cross-examining the witness the prosecutor is objecting sometimes to some of the questions that you're asking and it's interesting to see what the judge deems is worth being overruled or pros- uh, objected to versus what he wants to find more information about and it's interesting to see like even the the prosecutor get a little bit more frustrated as his quote-unquote star witness or witness is uh losing him the case, you know? So it's cool to see these two characters kind of just get more and more flustered as you are, you know, showing them up in your very first case. Um, But I think, I mean, I don't want to make blanket statements, but inevitably you, the person that you are, 
defending uh, Larry is deemed not guilty. Uh, it ends up being Frank Sowit is actually the person that killed Cindy Stone. So, uh, go ahead, Dante. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, essentially the crux of the murder was um, this clock called the Thinker. But just looking at it from the outside, you wouldn't know it's a clock. It looks like a literal statue of the Thinker. And essentially you catch Sawit in a lie where he, he knows it's a clock, even though there's no way he could have known that without entering the room. And kind of from there is where his gradual decline into pretty much insanity. At one point, he starts foaming at the mouth. It's really, really good. And um, you just keep pressing him, and eventually you catch him in his lies and not guilty for Larry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, it's almost like a... Uh, like a... He, Larry is obviously very appreciative that he gets off but he's also just like sad because not only is this girl that he cared about quote unquote cared about dead he was trying to get back with her um but he didn't think that she cared about him and apparently like the whole like to cheer him up is uh i think um maya or excuse me mia kind of says like oh if she didn't care about you she wouldn't have kept the clock and all that and that kind of helps cheer him up and uh, Trevor, you had something you want to add? Yeah, there was a screenshot I actually took of that where the uh, prosecutor is basically like, yeah, she had several sugar daddies. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. I forgot. Cindy was like a um, a model or something, and she she was like flown to like Paris or something for, some, for something. And so like she took the clock with her, and that was his... Like, oh, well, she thought so enough of, or she cared enough about you to bring this clock that you handmade for her with her to, to France to, you know, be your alarm clock while she's seeing her sugar daddies. <laughs> um, but yeah. Also, Larry is kind of the worst at times. Like, one of the first things that happens to Phoenix right in this game is he's in the courtroom and he's just trying to make his case. And then Larry just bursts in. He's like, just sentenced me to death already. I did it. Nothing matters. This all sucks. Yeah, he's very dramatic, but I mean that's <laughs> every. I feel like everybody in this game is a little dramatic. <laughs> They're all turned up a little bit, um, but yeah, you ended up, uh, you know, proving Larry's innocence, and um, that kind of. I think the end story or the aftermath. I think every case you kind of see like uh, after the decision, like like that you guys you meet with the characters and the the, <clears throat> the defendant outside of the courtroom and he kind of is going to wrap it up. And um, you, uh, I think you end up giving the clock to Maya, to Mia. Um, you give the clock, the, the evidence or the, the murder weapon, <laughs> you give it to Mia. And um, she... Uh, what happens after that, Dante? Is it that same night? Yeah, so are we transitioning into case two now? Yeah, yeah. So the murder weapon from case one, the thinker, is promptly used to murder Mia Fey, your mentor. 
not too long after that. I think it is a couple nights later. Okay. Yeah, so then you basically, you go from, you know, you, you see this, everybody's congratulating and, you know, uh, having a grand old time, and then you start up Case 2, and then, just like in the beginning of Case 1, Case 2, you see um, the actual incident happen, and you see, uh, I think it's Mia, she's having a phone conversation with her younger sister, Maya, about uh, supposedly picking up something from her office at 9 o'clock. And then fast forward to later on in that day, and she's having a conversation with some man and in her office, and he beats her over the head uh, with this piece of evidence, this thinker clock. So this clock is uh, basically a murder weapon in back-to-back cases. And that's kind of how, uh, I think... Case two starts off, uh, and with... your tutorial ends. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, so, case two starts off with you getting to the office that next morning to get ready for work, and you smell this. I smell blood, and you kind of walk to um, you you walk into my, uh, Mia's office, and you see a young girl crying over her dead body, and. Yeah, so you end up finding out, oh, well, this is her younger sister, Maya. So uh, Mia's been murdered, and Maya was supposed to be meeting her at 9 o'clock. And, yeah, that's that's basically how Case 2 starts off. Um, and ahead, I was Dante. just going to say that this is kind of where the game starts to get a little bit weird. Japanese. Like it was already weird, but... It gets yeah. Japanese. It gets very Japanese. Like you find out that Maya or Mia's sister Maya happens to be a spirit medium in training, and it's just a lot of weird stuff that starts happening at this point. Yeah. So um, you kind of, and I think this is how they introduce the next, the investigation portion of the game. Um, so. When you're in court, that is the the trial mode. And then when you are in outside of court, you're in investigation mode. And so in investigation mode, you can walk around to, uh, or I say walk around, but you hit a a button that says move. And then you you can move to predetermined locations. And you can kind of scan whatever environment you are in and kind of get a little bit of... uh, uh, text flavor text about the different things so you can um you first investigate the um the room uh, mia's office to see like uh oh well this clock was knocked over oh this thing was in her hand and written in blood uh this uh her computer desk wasn't uh very uh, disorganized, her computer chair was knocked over, or you can um, talk to her sister uh, Maya, and you can kind of see, like, so what was going on? Like, wh- why are you here? Who are you? Um, what was the last time conversation with her that you got? And this is kind of how, in this investigation mode, this is how you get evidence that you are going to present in trial, and this is how you get, like, more background evidence and more background information that you can present. So a lot of times, 
uh, well, not so much in this case, but like you can get some information uh, from a person that it's for you, the player, to know. But Phoenix Wright, he kind of like he I, I don't know. It's hard to say he internalizes it, uh, but like. Sometimes I, I've noticed that I get this piece of information from this character, and I guess now that since I saw it, Phoenix Wright, the character, knows it. So when I'm cross-examining somebody in the tri- in the trial, like he'll bring up, oh, well, this person said this. And it, it's kind of weird because it's like, uh, sometimes I feel like I don't remember this little snippet of information, but like as long as I see it, he will remember it. Um, Trevor, did you, did you run anything like that? Or you have anything to add about that? Yeah, I've ran into that same thing. And then at times, sometimes Phoenix Wright would have that person write like a written statement that you could then use for court. And I'm thinking, okay, to what extent can you make like everything somebody says a written statement? Like there's a bunch of stuff somebody just said that I'm not going to remember, but I could make it into a written statement or an affidavit. Yeah, it was really weird because it was just like, I remember one time, I don't remember the, the instance, but I do remember there being a time where like, I had completely forgot some piece of evidence like that was presented, that was, um, or some crucial piece of information that was told to me. And then I'm like playing through the game and like, I'm like, ha. I, uh, you know, I cross-examined somebody and then he brings it up and I'm like, what, where did he even get that from and I like completely forgot that I had that conversation with somebody um Dante you got something you want to add about that I just kind of wanted to see how you guys felt about the examination or investigation portion Uh uh-huh yeah yeah so um so yeah you you get a little bit of information from uh, Maya about you know what happened when she first gets there, and then immediately uh like you're examining the room and some girl from the hotel across the street or whatever she her window is lined up to um, the office that you're in, and so she sees the the victim she sees Mia's body on the floor. And, um, so she calls the police and then the police show up and it's this detective name. He has a great name, by the way. Um, his name is Detective Dick Gumshoe. And, uh, he's, <laughs> how do you guys feel about the detective? Cause he, from here on out, he pretty much shows up, uh, at least he shows up in these first two cases. And from what I read, he seems like he shows up a lot. He's, uh. I, th- I think so far he's one of my favorite characters just because of like how almost, well, I mean, how he pretty inept he is about everything. And it's kind of fun just to see him just give away things or just kind of say something kind of stupid offhand. And um, I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed the sections he's been in so far. Trevor, how do you feel about uh, Detective Gumshoe? He's pretty absent-minded, right? <laughs> yeah. But his theme though, his, his music theme pretty good i actually don't remember his music theme the music in general in this game is really good that's something that yeah that's something we haven't touched on either is uh one of the one of the uh cool things about this game is like every well not every character but like a lot of characters have their own individual theme music when they're on the screen so that that's kind of interesting because you 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 run into so many different types of characters and 
they they each have like a a theme song. And in addition to that, too, when you're in the uh, in trial mode, um, when you're in the cross examination stage, you have a theme versus there's a uh, there's different types of themes in the trial mode as well. So uh, those since I'm in that mode a lot more often, I like those those are more ingrained in my mind. The uh, trial mode themes. I was just going to say that they also do a really, really good job of transitioning between pieces in this game. Yes. Where you can tell who's talking, what the mood is, and kind of just get a backdrop of everything that's happening and culminating at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Um, But, yeah, so you kind of, you know, meet the detective, and he ends up... (sighs) You, I don't even know if he sees the evidence or what, but uh, there is uh, the piece of evidence that is the most damning uh, is that Mia has a uh, receipt in her hand and on the back of it written in her own blood is her sister's name, Maya. So that seems like all the evidence they need to basically say she is the... Uh, that she committed the murder. And so, basically, you have to clear her name, and, um, yeah, so she ends up taking her into booking, and then at this point, you can travel back and forth between Mia's office and booking and kind of, uh, interrogate her and talk to her, and also, um, what's up, Trevor? I don't want to jump too far ahead, but did it not bother anybody that the receipt itself wasn't relevant enough to to flip it over and see, you know, what it was for. There's a lot of situations like that in this game where I just kind of like, I'm like, really, bruh? We just, we're just, we're not going to think about this like that? We're just, okay. I mean, with the context, though, the receipt didn't mean anything until it got used. I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> c- c- the other yeah. side of the receipt, you know, like yeah, you're right. There's a very crucial thing about it, but before that, it wouldn't have mattered until that point. But there are some inconsistency. There, there are little holes here and there. Um. Yeah. Um. Uh. But um, and, and this is I, that, that first case was very short. It was just this the trial stage, and then I think this this case you kind of see the structure of this game where it goes between it, it these cases i mean they end up taking multiple days where it will go okay you start the beginning um immediately after the murder you're doing the investigation stage then you once you've uh, acquired enough of the evidence and like just statements from key witnesses and stuff like that then you go into trial mode and then so then you do your trial and you that's when you cross examine the witness and everything and then when it it seems like oh we haven't pressed this person hard enough or we need to talk to a different person then you start up the next day and so then day two you start off and you can do more um investigating and you can see some new locations and talk to some new people and uh find some new uh, evidence and then you go back to the courthouse so i think this was a two-day trial right Dante? Was yeah. it three? I think this case was just two days. It's a two day. Oh yeah, yeah. I think they at the end they had they say 
oh, we need to do another day, and then they stop. Well, anyway, I'm spoiling it, but whatever. (laughs) We're going to get to that point anyway, but yeah, I think that's what happens towards the end. So yeah, at this point, pretty much you're in the precinct with Maya, and she's like, my sister said if I ever get in trouble, um, contact Grossberg, I believe. Yeah, yeah. He's supposedly like a another attorney that Maya used to work for when she was younger before she got her own uh, firm. And you go to him and that dude does not want no parts (laughs) of dealing with Maya. So then you kind of go to her and you're like, Hey, I I went to him, but he didn't seem very willing. So I'll do it for you. And man, she throws like some huge shade your direction. (laughs) She was like, uh, my sister, My sister told me about your first day, and um, she said, like, you had a lot of promise, but give I... Give it three years. Yeah, give it three years, and, like, that, that like, oh, my God, that was so... Sh- <laughs> that was so, like, so many shots fired, because it was, like... he. I mean, and it's true, though, he had one case. He worked one case that he, like... Bar- I don't... I won't say barely won, but, like, he kind of lucked his way into winning, and this is his next case and it's defending, you know, his former boss's or his, you know, deceased boss's daughter or sister. So, um, I don't know. It, it, it was very funny, but I, I don't know. Like, uh, Mia or excuse me, Maya is a high school. She's a high schooler. Like, I think she's 17 or something. So she also is, uh, pretty green and like, she's like almost like, I don't want to say pure, but she's very, like, childish. And, uh, I don't know. She's kind of endearing in a way. Do do you guys feel any type of way about uh, Maya? Like, do you guys like her as a character? I'll start with you, Trevor. She's interesting. Like, I'm hoping there's going to be, like, a a growing side to her. Or, like like, a side story where in her, like... What do you call it? I forgot what she said she was. She's a um She's a spirit and or tra- spirit in training or medium in training. Yeah. So I'm I'm just wondering like throughout the game are we going to see her progress at all and is that going to affect the way, you know, Phoenix is able to to win some of the battles throughout the game? Um I don't know. I mean, you kind of see it a little bit uh in the in the next case, or it, it might even be in this case, you see it a little bit, but it's it, at the very end of this one. Yeah, and and you see it a little bit in, in case three as well. But it's like kind of, I don't know. Like I'm interested to see if it pops up any other ways because the way it pops up, I'm not mad at, but it's just kind of like yeah, that why the why way did they even... <laughs> the the way they introduce it is very um they they were reaching. Let's let's not jump ahead too much. <laughs> there will be a second. But yeah, I'm I'm hoping she reveals some other powers that she might have. Uh, and how, how do you feel about me? Uh, I keep this is the problem too. Their names are too too, too damn close. Uh, how do you feel about Maya, Greg? Um, I like her so far. Uh, kind of going off what Trevor was saying that I'm kind of interested to see. Um, you know, how as like as a character, how she develops further on into the game, because you do end up uh, seeing some stuff with her powers of uh, being a medium. Um, but uh, I'm not 
I don't know. I guess that's the thing that I'm kind of waiting to see, see to see how the other foot drops on it. Um, but right now, I think she's a pretty interesting character so far. Kind of quirky. Gotcha. And I'm assuming she's a mainstay character because uh, I know in Marvel vs. Capcom, she was a pretty, <laughs> pretty significant part of Phoenix Wright's arsenal in that game. So I reckon that she stays with him throughout the series. That's a safe bet. All right. Um, and actually, uh, another, I want to say, uh, regular occurring character. So you got the introduction of these major characters in Maya and uh, Dick Gumshoe. But then uh, when you go to the trial, this is when you meet the prosecutor. And he seems like way, uh, way Wait, more. Um... Can we backtrack just a smidge? Go ahead. So... In the first investigation, you go to the Gate Gatewater Hotel, which is also a really good name, um, and you meet the person who saw the murder from the window, April May. <laughs> Do you guys have any thoughts on April? She can get it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. No, she's just like a super sensual character. She's very <laughs> bipolar seeing. Uh, she's, what is it? What do they say? She's a a well-endowed, flirty young woman with pink hair. <laughs> so um, she's she's very interesting. And it, it's kind of funny because when you first encounter her, she mistakes you for a detective, I think. And so she's a little forthcoming with information. But then when you kind of reveal yourself as a the attorney, uh, then she kind of is like less forthcoming with information and kind of says like you're cheating like why are you trying to get this information just see me tomorrow or you know so uh it's just kind of interesting uh anybody got anything else to add about her or cool um but yeah so when you get to the trial this is when you meet the prosecutor and uh he's another i'm assuming mainstay in the series his name is miles edgeworth and he's like a the anti-Phoenix, right? He's a prodigy. So he's just as, I think he's like around the same age or he's uh, around the same age as you, maybe a little younger, but he's been a prosecutor since he was 20. And uh, he has a, (laughs) I think he almost by any means, he's going to find somebody guilty. So he has like a, a very like black and white view of the world. And he has basically, there's rumors that he has a willingness to do anything to achieve a guilty verdict. And uh, he's a very, very uh, great prosecutor, but there's like questions to his ethics almost. Um, how do you guys feel about Miles? Because he seems like... <laughs> it almost, he, I, I, I can't think... I, I'm going to make a bad reference because it's bad only in the sense that um, I don't remember their names. But he almost seemed like if you're, uh, um, what is the rival to Yu-Gi-Oh? Seto Kaiba. Kaiba? Does does he not have that kind of like? <laughs> I was thinking that like, the whole time. Like, does he every, not have that kind of like? <laughs> every time he popped up, I was thinking, man, are we about to start dueling? <laughs> it was like a super battle of the do. wits. It's it's a battle of the wits um, because it's like. Anytime you feel like you, when you're doing the trial mode and you feel like you have the witness on the ropes on a lie or whatever, then this dude it just says something like, <laughs> "Objection." 
that has nothing to do with the case. <laughs> or like, you know, he's just like super smooth. And he'll be like, I mean, you merely just proved that that could have happened. That doesn't mean it did happen. Do you have anything that you could, you know, and it's just like, every time it's just like this dude right here. <laughs> I, I don't know. He, he actually might be my favorite character because it's even super uh, fun. Or I, I like when he gets... When he gets mad because he slams his fist on the desk and he looks like super angry and gets like crazy eyes and he's like almost like he's biting his lip and like when he gets flustered it's very interesting as well. What's up, Dante? I was just gonna say, but like when he calls you out, it it makes you feel it hurts. Bad. <laughs> it makes you feel so bad sometimes because when you say objection, you get so hype. And then he takes you from that ledge and just slowly pulls you off of it. And you're like, oh, my God, how am I ever going to recover from this? It's like right? the person who's, like, calling you out in class on something. Uh, dude, it, it's so, like, it's so – because it, the way he's written, too, is so good where he just seems like the right amount of, like, he's kind of like an asshole – but he, at the same time, he's like he's very confident and cocky, and he's like self-assured. He knows what he's doing, and he's like he's like I can't believe they put me up against this person, this this rookie. As, as almost he has that kind of air of like superiority against you, and so like when he like calls you out on something, you kind of almost like you said personally feel attacked. <laughs> he he shakes his head and then does the shrug emoji. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Does anybody like the the uh, animation where he's like tapping his head? Like he's just sitting there, like, all right, bro, I got you, <laughs> dude. All like, I think he has my favorite. Uh, I think he might be my favorite character, but he definitely has my favorite reactions. Because like even later on, like I'm not gonna spoil it, but like some of the things he does in like case three, like I mean, he does like it's the same canned animations like he's not doing anything different in case three than it does in case two but just like the the moments where he does it is just way more funny to me in case three <laughs> um but yeah I, I really like that character so um but yeah you you end up um uh cross-examining april may and you kind of call her bluff on some of the things that she supposedly saw and um so you you end up like the person that has to vouch for her is she, she says that she got some type of room service. Uh, so you end up having to the next day you, you go around, you talk to the, the bellboy, you talk to April May some more, you find out some background information on her, you find out some more background information on the Faye family. So you kind of find out that, oh, before she became a attorney, Mia was also a, a medium and she was a darn good medium and uh but she kind of got run out of uh run out of town by some guy named Mr. White some mysterious figure named Mr. White and um well just a quick clarification so Mia and Maya's mother was this really great spirit medium and she essentially the police called on her for a special case to conjure up a dead person essentially and say okay this is who did it so she conjured up the soul she got the um 
she got the person, but then it turns out that he gave the wrong answer. So that kind of shamed their family, and the police tried to keep it on the down low, but um, somebody leaked it to the reporters. So Mia went out to pretty much prosecute that person. That's why she left the village. But that kind of jump-started her law career, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. So um, that's a little bit of their background story. Um, so why she she has... It's revealed to Phoenix Wright that Maya... Or excuse me. Maya reveals to Phoenix Wright that Mia has superior medium skills. But at that point in her life, she had long given it up in order to become pursue becoming an attorney. And um, so she was like not as good at it as Mia was, but she was still obviously training to be one. And, uh, so yeah, you're, you're finding that information out too. And, uh, you end up the, the second day of the trial, you end up, uh, cross examining the bellboy and kind of, right. Isn't, isn't, don't you kind of find out some information from him? Or am I crazy? No, no, you no, you do. do. And, and you actually, uh, even before that, too, you go back to the Grossberg uh, and you try to uh, get some information from him as well. And um, he uh, he doesn't really give you anything, but it kind of, I think you were led to believe that he's being blackmailed by somebody. And you find out that, oh, uh, April May is the secretary for this super powerful CEO named Mr. Red White. And he's the CEO of a company named Blue Corp. And uh, you end up going to his office to talk to him. And uh, he, this dude, is he's a douche. He's a... <laughs> he's very skeezy and just very cocky and self-assured of himself. And he's just like... Um, what's that, Dante? Okay, there... Are you getting into this like second investigation yeah okay i want to backtrack just a small bit so you cross-examine um april may and one thing that you noticed when you were in the gatewater hotel was that she had a wiretap in her room and pretty much at the end of the day one trial you um incriminate her on wiretapping if i recall that sounds right yeah. And then you also say, hey, there was another person in the room with you. And that's where the bellboy comes up that Marcus was talking about. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you're basically asking her about wiretapping and then you uh, talk to the bellboy because he's, he's the one that reveals that um, there was a second person in the room. And now you're trying to figure out who the second person was. And you're trying to get some more background information on April, May. So you go to her boss and he ends up being a dick. And I think he ends up like, um, I actually, I think there is a a third day of investigation. Isn't there? No, there's just two. There's just two. Unless you count like the night that you find Mia's body. There's, huh? Well, I just remember like that dude, (laughs) He, like, ends up punching you. Uh, Red, white. Super rich dude that pretty much can get away with anything. 
and he's like, oh, I'm above the law, and that's kind of when you start going into the backstory of why um, Grossberg refuses to do anything about this trial. And yeah, you find out he's being blackmailed, and um... <sighs> you you got it from here, Dante. Yeah, so let me think think about the best way to organize this. One thing I do want to say real fast is the bellboy is a great character. He is so excited to give you that affidavit. <laughs> when you go back to him, he's like, "Man, I've been waiting for this like my entire life." Oh yeah, like he he he's been like working at that hotel, and he's like, "Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna make this room the the the, the witness room, the the room that saw the murder, and this room is gonna be famous, and we're gonna charge a lot for it." And it's just like, "Wait, what?" Okay, since you didn't get saw it, you did get Gatewater, right? I get it. I didn't notice it when I was playing, but I get it. Okay, okay. Cool. So, essentially, at some point, you go back to Grossberg, and the first time you go, I think, he's not there. But you notice he had this really big painting on the back of his wall, and all of a sudden, it's gone. And you're like, huh, why did that happen? So, you go through a little bit more of the investigation stuff. Um, You find out some details about essentially what's called the DL6 incident, the incident which um, me and Maya's mother tried to help the police, but then it kind of backfired. You find those files at um, the law offices. After you do all that stuff, you go back to Grossberg. He kind of explains like, oh, I was actually kind of the guy who leaked stuff about your, um, your mentor and this is why all of this happened and Red White essentially has blackmail on everybody. And then you end up back at Blue Corp and you present the newspaper clipping that you find about the DL6 incident to Mr. White. And pretty much you accuse of a, accuse him of blackmailing people and I'm pretty sure that's where he punches you and also tells his security guys to like escort you from the building. And let's see... You go back to the detention center and you pretty much recap what Maya has said up to this point. And then you are brought to the next day in the trial. Yeah, like, <laughs> and then at that point, aren't you, you're investigating, you're cross-examining Mr. Red then at that, or Red White, right? Yeah, so can we, can we go into Mr. White's um, behavior? That dude is like, he's the, he, he has the best besides Miles, and the only reason I like Miles more is because you see him more, but this dude goes from like super like flashy, like showing off his rings and his jewelry, then he does like a little chill like, like shoulder shrug, and then you just see the, uh, the gleaming of his teeth and all the jewels on him and everything, and his, all his rings and his jewelry, and I'm like, this dude right here. Uh, what you what you think, Trevor? So, did you catch his introduction? No, I. What, what did when he say? they asked for his name, he's like, "My uh, name is Red White, uh, but my friends yeah. call me Blanco Nino." I'm like, "Oh my god, this man is a pimp." <laughs> How that, that is written that it doesn't even have the little tilde over the end. <laughs> oh man, I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> my name is Red White, but my friends call me White Boy. 
Yeah, he, but he's a G, and he's like a, um, I think he's been like blackmailing people, so he feels like he's above the law, and um, <clears throat> I think you end up, uh, I mean, what, what's the line that you catch him in uh, when you're cross-examining so, him? So originally, one thing you did, the one non-lie you find out from April, May, is that Mia ran to the right, I believe. Th- that's right, right yeah. is where the exit is. So, you, so you, one of your pieces of evidence is a over overview of the Mia's office, and you can kind of see where everything was. You can see like the where the furniture was at the time of the murder, and what the witness would have been able to see from the window. And so she says that, oh, I was, you know, looking from outside across the street or whatever. The witness, she ran right. And then, so then when you testify, or because... This freaking moron. Yeah. It's like, like, man, I could have sworn she ran to the left. <laughs> yeah. And like, he, you're, he's basically, he's saying he's the second, the, he was the second person that was in the hotel room. So in theory, he should have saw the same exact thing that, uh, miss, uh, white. So I'm sorry, April may saw, but instead he was the actual killer. So he's saying, no, she didn't run right. She ran left because he's sitting in the room. So, <laughs> uh, that's like the big, like, there's no way it is super cool too. Cause like you say like, Oh, well, you like objection the April or Miss uh, May April May said that she ran to the right and you're saying she ran to the left. I think that there's some type of blah 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 here and then uh Miles is like, Oh well I mean what do you think was the cause? And then you could say, You did it and like, it's super like dramatic and like it, it it's really cool. Like I don't know, this game is corny and I like it. <laughs> <laughs> It, it's it's so funny how he like gets out. Or I guess this is a, the one of the situations where like I start kind of shaking my head a little bit. Where my man's like, "Well, see what actually happened was, you know, she ran to the left, then she ran to the right after that. You know, like you know, like come on now, like, dude. It's so nah, bro, the it's evidence like real life. Got struck once. <laughs> Do you feel like this is a good? I mean, maybe maybe playing Phoenix right. This would be good uh, for like dealing with little kids when they start lying and <laughs> they're <shaking. laughs> I'm just saying, man. This is, this is preparing me for uh, for when my kids w- get older. W- would you like to change your testimony? <laughs> <laughs> Hold it, and you start playing the music. Oh man, yeah. So it, it's really—I don't know. It's—I I really like when you when you call somebody on a lie and then they like quickly change their story and say, "Well, actually, what ha- happened was," and then you have to like call out the lie and the next thing. Then like, no, 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 no. But for real, what ha- happened was, and like, I don't know. It, I, <laughs> it's and this guy just has the most rich person type of meltdown too. The look he has when he like slams his fist onto the little table or whatever and he looks up and he just looks like he's about to cry <laughs> this is not fair <laughs> yeah so you end up finding out that or you know proving that in actuality uh red white had he, he was the the person that was involved with the case uh years ago right with uh um mia 
for, forcing her to retire from the medium world, right? Yeah, more or less. And so, like, this is him. Uh, uh, <clears throat> this is him getting revenge or re revenge on her, I guess. No, so, so I guess going back to um, after the whole running right and left thing, you find out that he had um, he admits to wiretapping after Edgeworth coerces him into doing so. Like, <laughs> Edgeworth is such a cool cat. He's like, hey, man, admit your crime. Admit it now. <laughs> and then he's like, oh, yeah, I, I, I did wiretap um, the office. But um, I'm definitely not a murderer. Yeah. Yep. But no, nah, he did that shit. So is there <laughs> is there not like some kind of collusion or, or witness tampering going on? Because I get that vibe from Edgeworth all the time, where he's just like this hey, really shady so, um, prosecutor. By any means. So, so essentially, the judge will order a 20 minute recess or whatever, and that gives time for the prosecution. And the witness to um, what's called synchronize their testimony or synchronize their game plan. So normally when that happens, that's when you see like, oh, the witness who was just on the ropes. It's like, oh, I'm cool now. We've we've sorted this all out. And essentially Edgeworth's point was, okay, well, he admitted that he was in the office, but he was actually in the office the day before the murder or no, the week before the murder. You guys following? Oh, yeah. I think so. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, at that point, you have to prove, like, okay, we know that White had been in the office, but you can't prove that he was actually there the day of. The reason that his memory is so vivid is because he entered a week ago. Turns out, this also, um, Marcus, you want to go into the transformation, quote-unquote? You got it, man. <laughs> okay. So Phoenix is pretty much on the ropes, and he's like, man, I I don't see any way out of this situation, and this is kind of where the game also puts oh, you in that place yeah. where there's literally nothing in the cross-examination that you can actually really protest or object to. So he kind of – he's starting to have a little bit of a meltdown. <laughs> and then he hears um, Mia's voice and blacks out. Then I think he's out for a good like 15, 20 minutes or something. He wakes up, happens again, blacks out. Then he wakes up and is like, wait a second. That's Mia, but it's in Maya's body. It's, so what do you guys think about this? It's Mia and where Maya is standing wearing Maya's clothes, but it's Mia. So she's like, you know, instead of being a 17-year-old girl, she's a 30-year-old woman or, you know, 28, whatever, however old she is. So she's like a grown-ass woman wearing this medium clothes and talking to him. Like, everything is normal. I hate it. Yeah, yeah. so does nobody else see this? I think the, what I'm not it's sure. supposed to be depicting is Mia talking. I, nah, I'm not sure about this. If it's Maya talking from our world to Mia, or if it's Mia talking from the spirit world through Maya, I think it's the latter. She's literally possessed, and like the physical change actually is a physical change. That's not just Phoenix 
So everybody sees that? Yeah. So the course just going to act like huh? they don't see a dead woman in the Okay. Okay. <laughs> it, it's kind of funny. It's it's pretty funny cuz the judge sometimes will be like something seems different about you. I mean, she got bigger in the You know what? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying like she's even taller though. <laughs> and don't like didn't they have like different color hair? I thought right? I think Mia was Mia a blonde, had brown right? hair, right? Like, uh, yeah. Brown and, yeah. and Maya has like blue or or black. Yeah, black hair. Hey man, it's a game. This is part of the fun. Um, this universe is very quirky and kooky, so it's not realistic enough. Possessions. <laughs> well, this—that's like the one. I won't say the one thing, but like, I—it's the. Why is this even like? Because like when this happened, I was like. What's the point of even killing Mia if I need her to solve this case? You know, like, but I guess it's kind of redemption for the what happened in the the backstory where it's like, oh, like, go ahead. I was just going to say this is her finishing the battle against White. I mean, I get it, but I I don't know. It's just kind of like because she pops up again. She pops up again in a different and then the next case. And it's just kind of like. What's the point of killing her off if you are going to you need her to solve these cases? And then, like, at the same time, I guess it's a little bit more interesting if you have, like, a super green attorney paired up with his mentor's younger sister who's a, like, you know, like, you can add that spooky or that kookiness, I should say. But I don't know. It's just kind of like, what was the point of getting rid of Mia? If you were going to need her anyways. I mean, it's not like she's around for that long. She's literally around for like a piece. Sure, sure. But I I get it because it is like the fatality of the trial, I should say. Like, it's the climax. I mean, did you guys feel that way, Trevor or Greg? Yeah, definitely. Like, if they would have made it more like she's channeling her sister... And you can hear her voice in your head or something like that. Then I kind of would have, kind of, I don't know. It may have came off a little bit better, but the fact that everybody else sees it yeah. is even more weird to me now. <laughs> and nobody says anything. Like I thought it was that he is seeing uh, Mia, and then everybody else is seeing Maya. So it's like he's just kind of like I guess she's kind of channeling Mia through through that but you know I guess that's like she's the medium so he's just seeing her through uh seeing Mia through Maya but I wasn't you know the fact that everybody else sees it is kind of a uh, kind of weird and and I kind of agree with you on like it, what's the point of killing her off if you're just gonna bring her back whenever the plot seems like it you know it fits her uh Dante I mean, I, I feel like you guys will have a slightly different opinion if you continue with this game, if you continue with the rest of the series. But yeah, I can I can definitely understand how it's a little bit jarring, especially because it, it kind of feels like a kill steal the first time because you're like, man, I'm taking on Edgeworth. I might have this. But it also kind of makes sense that you wouldn't be ready for like an Edgeworth tier opponent. You're right. And like I, I get it in the sense of it's her redemption against this red white guy because of all the well, that that incident what, that happened. 
you know, in the Quickly, past. let's just clear up the rest of, like, case two where um, essentially you find out that when you turn the receipt over, it shows that the lamp involved with the murder was purchased the day before, and he testified about the lamp, so you know he was in there literally the day before or the day of. And um, somehow he even gets a, off the hook from that. <laughs> and pretty much that's where Maya's just like, hey, hand me a sheet of paper and write some stuff, hands it to Phoenix Wright. He starts listing off names. Turns out they were names of people that Red White had um, blackmailed. And pretty much he confesses at that point. Must be nice. Because I, yeah, like, it was a, it was really weird because he testified and said, yeah, I personally planted the wiretap. And when I was in there, I planted it this day and I saw this lamp and then the receipt on her hand or that she was holding in her hand when she died. It said, oh, this, this lamp was purchased on this day, which was like later than when he, when he supposedly planted the wiretap. So it's very crazy that he got off of that. And then it wasn't until she used her spirit powers or whatever. And like he said, wrote down names that he kind of confessed to his guilt. And then so you absolved uh, Maya of the crime and she was found not guilty. And finally, you guys, uh, I think the the way it ends is you guys are... Um, it's now the, pl- I don't remember what the original name was called. I want to say Fay and Co. Law Offices, and it gets renamed to Wright and Co. Law Offices. Uh, Maya decides to stick around as your assistant to help you out. And, um, uh, I guess Mia appears again through Maya and says she'll be keeping tabs on you and watching you, right? Something to that effect, I remember. Or saying that, yeah, and yeah, yeah, so they have like a group hug ish thing or a high five. Three, yeah, and uh, yeah, so that's how that chapter ends or that case ends. And going into the final case that we played, uh, case three, um, I think that starts off with a battle between um, two uh, two samurais, and um, they are you know, sword fighting or whatever, and one fatally stabs the other in the chest and kills him. And that's kind of where you start off uh, just trying to figure out... Uh, I think I think it even starts off, too, the beginning of that case. You, got, you and Maya are talking and saying, like, um, oh, uh, we are kind of broke where are we going to find our next case and then here comes this case they were actually um that was actually the tv show that they were showing i don't think that was the actual murder that they showed oh man yeah so the steel samurai is like this syndicated tv show in the phoenix Wright universe and all the kids are into it maya's into it and she's like oh man look at him finish off the evil magistrate with his finishing blow and Nick's just like the old man in the room, like, what are all these kids into? This is such wait, a Wait, wait, who's show. Nick? That is Phoenix Wright's nickname given to him by Maya. I thought Larry called him Nick, too. Yeah, it's. I guess I it's like right. his friendly yeah. nickname. Childhood nickname? Yeah. Uh, oh, man, I just got that. 
Phoenix. Nick? No, Nick name. Oh. I, think. I might be reaching with that one. Bars! <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, so this case, how, how we want to talk about this, this third case? Because this is a long case. This is a three-day case. Um, basically, uh, you guys start off and you're, you and Maya, and you're kind of saying like, oh no, like, you know, we've been, it's been kind of dead, like no pun, but it's been kind of like not busy in our offices for the past couple of weeks. How are we going to be able to afford to pay the bills? And then this guy comes up and, uh, or no, Maya calls you and she says that Will Powers, the, the actor who plays the, the character Steel Samurai from that super popular TV show, um, has been arrested for murder. And she's a huge fan of his, so she wants you guys to defend him. And uh, the victim, Will Powers, is found guilty or he's uh, accused of impaling uh, the victim, Jack Hammer, a.k.a the evil magistrate who is the villain in the TV show um, with the uh, samurai spear, which prop, which is the spear that the steel samurai uses and our a, a spear that he uses in the show. So uh, you go down to the detention center and interview Will Powers to kind of get a, a feel for what he's feeling. And he seems like a, he seems like an ultimately like a good guy but he's just kind of like, man, I don't know, like almost like a more confident, almost like phys- or at least physically opposing version, imposing version of Larry Butts. But they seem like very similar characters where they're both like kind of wrong place, wrong time. And uh, they don't necessarily have like, like you believe them, but they don't necessarily have any like, well, it couldn't have been me because of all these things. It's just kind of like oh, well, I was asleep, therefore I couldn't have done it. And uh, so it's up to you to kind of build the case for why he couldn't have done it. And um, it, it's it's actually kind of, this is a little bit annoying, but also it, it kind of grew on me. But um, Maya, being such a huge fan of the Steel Samurai show, anytime you are, actually really throughout this entire case, She's fangirling over Steel Samurai. So anytime you're on the set, she's super excited when you're into when you're uh, talking with Will Powers. She's just fangirling the whole time, and she's kind of like, "He didn't do it. No way he could have done it." You know, blah blah this, blah blah that. At first, though, she was the first reaction she has to that man because he he never showed himself to the public to keep like the kid's reputation pure or whatever. When you walk into that detention center and you see him, the first words out of her mouth are, he definitely did it. He's guilty. I mean, he's a physically imposing man, so... <laughs> and, I mean, he, he looks like a lion, almost like the dude. Uh, he's, like, super uh, muscular guy. He has, like, these thick side sideburns and, like, um... Yeah, he looks like he has, like, a lion mane, almost. Yeah, he looks like a lion, but he acts like a lamb. He's almost like the Cowardly Lion from Wizard of Oz. Or not. I can see it. Yeah. Um, But, uh... 
So um, you end up having a. I mean, you're you're in the investigation mode, so you have to like build a case for why he couldn't have done it. So you head over to the movie studio or the um, uh, where the the TV show is is filmed, and you meet uh, Miss Old. Uh, what is her name? Uh, Miss Old Bag. Old bag. Oh. Oh, okay, that's what I was about to say. Miss yeah. Wendy Oldbag. Uh, she's a super old security guard. And, whoa, she's like, she gets, uh, how do you describe this woman? Like, she. Shaddy. <laughs> actually, yeah, that, that's, this was a, it's super interesting. So, like, when you talk to people, you kind of, like, their text shows up and you have to tap the screen in order to go until the next bar of dialogue, so that way the game gives you time to read everything that's said. But they they play to great effect at this point. When she's talking to you, it's just like she's talking and talking and talking, and it's like almost like a run-on sentence in the fact that there's no pause, and it's, the, the, the uh, dialogue scrolls just fast enough that I don't get to read the entire thing before new text pops up and replaces the old text. So it's like this lady is talking, and I, and I actually thought like my, my game was messing up for a second because I was like, "Holy crap!" Like <laughs> I'm I'm not catching all this information, and then like afterwards, like your characters kind of mention like, "Oh, she's quite chatty, isn't she?" And um, that's when I realized, "Oh, like that's just her character," and like that was just another point where it was almost like the game the the developers do a good job of like adding character to this character by doing that little subtle thing where I was just like, I, you know, I'm thinking it's a mistake, but then they're like, oh, we can't really, like, she, we can't make her talk fast, but we can have this text scroll by really quickly, and that will give that same effect. And, you know, you, you, the, you, the player, is going to have a very similar reaction to the characters in the game of like, oh, she talks a lot. Um, and uh, It's also we, funny because, like, when you're reading it, She's saying something really funny, but then it cuts off like right before you get to the punchline most of the time. And they just do a really good job with the writing. Yeah, yeah. And enough enough cannot be said about the writing in this game. It's, it's superb. And um Yeah, so then you you start exploring the uh the studio and so you meet a stagehand named Penny Nichols and she's like an intern almost. She seems kind of like a youngish girl, uh, like early 20s, and she kind of uh, gives you a lot of the background saying like, oh, well, they rehearsed a, a fight scene. The two actors rehearsed a fight scene today, and uh, nobody was there. And uh, then I saw Will go to his trailer and blah, blah, blah. So that kind of backs up the fact that, oh, well, Will said that he was asleep for three hours, four hours in his trailer, and this person literally saw him go into his trailer, so maybe he couldn't have been lying or whatever. And, um, you, uh, um, you talk to, um, I think you go back and talk to the security lady, and she's gone, and you end up finding a photograph that, uh, oh, uh, supposedly during this, uh, this rehearsal, this fight rehearsal, the actor, uh, uh, Will Powers, he injured his ankle, so he kind of had a limp ankle, and uh, so that's why he went to go to sleep after lunch, was to rest his, his ankle for later on, for filming later on in the day, and um, so uh, later on you find a photograph, 
of um, a person dressed up as the Steel Samurai Will's character, and he's walking through the gate. They have a uh, a gate that has a camera that automatically takes pictures of anybody that passes through it, um, and the person has a limp ankle. So it's like not looking too good for your uh, for the uh, defendant. It looks like, oh, all the signs point towards him being the guilty one. Um, so what goes on in the trial then, Dante? Do you remember? Yeah, so let me... All this sort of I think you, 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 you're you cross-examining Old Bag. Old Bag first, and it's pretty funny because Edgeworth is a prosecutor, and she kind of has a crush on Edgeworth, I guess would be the best way to describe it. So... She definitely has a crush on uh, Jack Hammer. Yeah, she does. But then, like, when you get into the trial and stuff, she's like edgy poo and talking to him. And that's kind of when he gets flustered. Is this kind of where you were talking about where Edgeworth's animations get really No, no, later on. Okay, cool, cool. But essentially, you're cross-examining her. And um, she keeps claiming that she saw Powers going through the gate at 2 or 2.30, whatever time it was, you contradict her, and you're like, it wasn't powers necessarily, it was Steel Samurai. And, um... Have you found out at this point that the spear was broken during the rehearsal? I think so. You find out that it was broken. No, yeah, because what's her name says she has to repair it. Yeah. Old Bag tells you that she has to repair the murder weapon essentially the samurai spear so you get a little bit more information there and yet again i think she's really insistent on powers being the one in the photo even though there's really no proof of it and this is where she starts getting into oh there might have been another person or it i sensed another person i don't actually i don't know if it was her but i think the 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 evidence against it was like every day when somebody go like there's new sets of photos that are taken every day when somebody goes by that gate and so the only photo she had of that day was the photo of the steel samurai yet it was labeled number two so it was the second photo taken that day but it was the only one on the computer so therefore the initial one had gotten erased so she she said that only one person had gotten to this place But in actuality, there was at least two people because there was a photo taken before. They just didn't have evidence of the photo. So then I think the judge calls for a recess. So that way, both sides can consider the information and uh, uh, they could kind of regain I also just want to say, everybody is really upset with Old Bag at this point. She, She just consistently proves herself as like this incompetent old lady that does like she half remembers a lot of stuff yep and like even the judge is like man i'm old but i don't have time for this um but yeah you end up um right kind of basically says you know will powers didn't do it but we should check into this old bag lady as being a potential suspect because she has no alibi and she was one of the few people that knew about powers injury so therefore if she was the one wearing the steel samurai suit she would have been able to faithfully 
act like she had a limp ankle. And uh, I don't think Edgeworth objected to that. So I think she was the she ended up being. Go ahead, Dante. I was just going to say Edgeworth let her out to dry. Yeah, yeah, he let her out to dry. And uh, so even though she was like a super huge fan of uh, Jackhammer, um, it didn't matter. And so she basically was also put on as being a potential suspect. So she was also put into holding, which... um, But then uh, because she was upset, she kind of let out that she's been told to hide the fact that there were other people in the studio, uh, mostly the director and the producer. And uh, so that they, uh, everybody at the studio was saying, Oh, the only people there was the assistant and, you know, the two actors, but in actuality, there was way more people there. And so she lets that out. And then basically court uh, convenes and basically is like, uh, we need to, gather some more information because now we, we know about this finding. We need to figure out who was there and what they saw. And that's when you, I think that ends the day one trial. And then, so day two is you going back to the studio and basically old bag having a 180. you know, like she was super chatty and everything day one, day two, she had, she wanted nothing to do with you. And she was like super grumpy and grouchy. Trevor, <laughs> how'd you like Old Bag Day too? Man, so Old Bag, like I said, she got on my nerves too. And it felt like you had to deal with her the most out of any other character in the game. Uh, at least outside of like the courtroom. But the thing about this case, it was basically like everything up to that point where it's just like, oh, there were other people at the studio kind of it makes everything before that seem like it just didn't matter like it was just a waste of time and then i i guess we're going to get to the or we've already gotten to the camera part haven't we where the camera that's at the studios takes a automatically takes a picture of whoever walks by what yeah it was it was brought up in the first yeah so um, how did the camera not catch anybody else I think well, I think what was said was it was closed. I think when the when the lady is not working the security desk, I think she goes to work at noon. So anybody that goes in before then, they don't have their pictures taken. Man, I think that, is what it that's was. a lot of oversight right there. Right. <laughs> well, I think also the um, has it been revealed that the monkey was blocking the one, you know studio yeah that's that's revealed like the first time you go to the studio and i think gumshoe is the one who reveals that to you yeah so i think that kind of impacted the traffic through that area isn't it vasquez that says something about that or am i thinking i might have the name wrong but i think the she she's a little bit further like she's in the investigation Man, this this game is it's hard to talk about this game, dude. Um but uh yeah, so you you go back and you're talking to Old Bag and she doesn't want no parts to do with you. So, uh you kind of just look around the studio and you run into 
this dude that talks elite speak, and I think he has like the coolest name. One of the cooler names. His name is Sal Manella, and he's the the director of Steel Samurai, and he's just like super nerdy looking. Like like look, think of the comic book guy from Simpsons. Thank you. Uh, I couldn't think of it. Uh, he's like acne. He's kind of overweight. Uh, glasses and like super nerdy talks and like internet speak. Um, and uh, he kind of gives you a little information. He actually has a really cool theme. He's like the only theme in this game that I remember. I liked his theme, um, character theme, anyways. Um, and uh, then you you end up meeting a little kid. And uh, they're supposedly a great at little uh, fans sneak into the the thing and sneak onto the uh, the the lot and old bag has to ch- chase them away. And so there's this kid Cody, who um, he's a diehard Steel Samurai fan, and he always like takes pictures. And he admitted that he had saw something, but he was not willing to tell you what. And um, he uh, ends up running off before you get more information for him from him. What's up, Dante? No, I was about to jump the gun again. My bad. Objection. I mean, hold it. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, you you walk around some more, and uh, you you get to you run into um, D Vasquez, who is the producer of Steel Samurai, and so she she seems. I think she's, like, the most apathetic, like, doesn't care about anything you gotta say of anybody in this game so far. Like, she wants nothing to do with you and, like, doesn't, like, give you any help or, like, answers. So, uh, she wants you to do something for her and you're supposed to, like, get something from the director for, for her and I don't know. It's, it's, there's a lot of running around at, and this part of the case and I'll be honest with you like I, I ultimately liked where this case ended up but like the moving around and like during the investigation parts of this case like I did not like at all it, it seemed more like a chore and that was like one of the times especially I guess because of the way this lot was set up where it's like there was a there was a, a map of this lot, and so you could go from one room to the next room, but you could only go to like the quote unquote like con- like the the next room, the connecting room. So you couldn't like fast travel from the entrance to the far back room. You had to go to like the two rooms before that before you get to the back room. So it, it, getting around here was like not fun for me. Uh, Trevor, I'm gonna go kick it to you first, then Greg. Yeah, that was one thing I was gonna say was investigation like just moving around this area was a huge burden simply because you couldn't go from like the the gate all the way to the employee area or not the employee area but the dressing room you had to kind of move through it like you would a um uh like a dungeon crawl type game and and that just made it a huge burden i didn't mind like the the fetch quest thing and like the trading and all that that was all right i could see that getting a lot deeper like in other games or in other cases but yeah the the traveling during the investigation just became a huge burden greg 
uh, you guys kind of just mirrored everything that I was going to say. It's just kind of, it got a little tedious after a while. Um, and I guess I kind of get why it's set up that way, but it just kind of, it feels like it, and it makes the, the, that particular part of the chapter feel like unnecessarily long. Um, just because you end up spending a lot of time going to one area, doing one thing there, then having to backtrack to three different areas or to three different areas just to get to the one place you originally need to get to. Um, so just kind of like it, it kind of, I don't know, I guess it, it makes that part of the game just drag on. Dante, you got anything? I mean, um, pretty much what you guys married, like. I think that case in particular has that issue just with the way the studio is set up. Yeah. And I guess it was, I don't know if it was intentional. I don't want to say it was intentional that they made it. So you had to jump from this very specific location to the next location, to the next location. Like when you have to deliver that thing to Salmonella from Devast, you literally have to go all the way across the map, which is like four or five moves. But Thankfully, I don't think that happens too often in the other cases. So, I think it is, this is as worse as it gets. Yeah, I mean, like, it was, like, kind of what Greg said, like, and even Trevor, like, doing certain tasks when you know you had to go somewhere, I mean, it kind of was just monotonous and just was like, damn, like, I, I just want to be able to go to the dressing room. I don't want to have to, like, do the two or three steps before it. But, like, when you were, like... And I think it was mostly, for me, the most frustrating part was when I was, like, not sure what my next move was. So, like, I didn't, you know, I just found, I had to find the director, and he just so happened to be in the dressing room. But, like, it took, I was just, like, moving to different locations trying to find him. And then, like, I, you know, I looked at five or six places before I got to the dressing room. And then it that was the more annoying part was like, okay, I know I need to trigger something to happen to progress this story, but I need to get to whatever area is to trigger that. I was just going to quickly ask if anybody got stuck at any point. I, I felt like I did. Um, I don't remember if it was this part, but it was just, um, I'm trying to think what happened. I just remember like, okay, I've talked to everybody. What next? Oh, yeah, it was, um, so at this part, there, there's that grate that was broken the first day that the little kid crawled into, crawled in from. So the second day, you talk to, uh, what's her name? Uh, I want to say April. Penny. sound right. Penny. You talk to Penny, and she, she, like, she, uh, re-put the grate on the hole so nobody could come in. And then, um, so I walked around trying to trigger the next thing. And I walked around for maybe, I don't know, I, I went to a lot of locations twice. And I'm like, nothing's happening. Um, I'm not getting any new dialogue with any of these people. And so uh, I went back to that place. And when I first was there, as soon as I talked to Penny, she put it up, then she leaves. Then Maya's like, you want to take that thing down? And I'm like, no, like she just put it up. And so when I get back there, I'm like, oh, I guess this is the only other thing I can do. So let's pull it down and then pull it down and then nothing happens. And I'm like, okay, cool. So like, 
I moved around some more trying to see if like I went to the other places to see if anything changed and then uh, nothing changed. So then I go back to that spot and then I see the kid then and then it's like, oh, okay, so did I move an X amount of turns or like, I don't know. It was just like kind of annoying because it was just like, what do I do? What do I do? Uh, did you run into anything like that, Trevor? Um, no, I didn't really have any parts where I got stuck. Um, the other thing I was going to add that was kind of annoying about moving around was that each day that you travel around the lot, um, it always gives you like the, the date and time, like once you move to that location and it does it for every single room that you move into. And I'm wondering if that's going to be significant in one of the future cases but right now it's just really annoying when you're just trying to when you know which room you have to go to and you have to travel all the way there and wait for all you know the little text to scroll through so for at least on my version it only does that if there's a change to the room like if something triggered then you get the whole like i re-entered this area and this is the day and time but if i'm just moving that no, happen. it does that whenever you re-enter a room, like the next day, like on, like if you visit that room on oh, day one. Yeah, like if you revisit a room and there's something that, a script essentially that triggered, then yeah, there's. Gonna uh, be sometimes the rooms were like empty. Like I know a couple of times where you go through the um the employee area, like sometimes that room would be empty. Nobody would be in there until after you went to the dressing room and then then came back out. But you would still have to sit through the um the date and time i get what you're saying now so like if there's a trial in between yeah then right. every room essentially refreshes at least once it was lame <laughs> um but uh yeah so you get the um you get some stuff for the director you meet the director meet the producer and you talk to them some and uh I think at this point, um, you learn from, I think Penny, like, mentions something um, about some incident that happened five years ago, and then she kind of says, like, well, don't, I don't know much about it, talk to Old Bag, and you end up talking to Old Bag, and she immediately defends Hammer once you mention the accident, and uh, at that point, at that point you you kind of like oh so there was some incident and he's indebted to Vasquez the producer D Vasquez so now you know there's something shady going on with D and then uh I think you bring it up to her or maybe you hold on to that I, I actually don't remember if it's I know it's something happens later on but I don't know Right, Dante? It's the day three that you talked to her? Ah. Oh, no. Sorry, it wouldn't let me unmute for a second. <laughs> but, um... Yeah, I think you're done with Devask at this point. So, going off what you said, you get the, um... You give Old Bag the card so she can essentially, quote-unquote, visit Hammer. And then that triggers, um fetch quest that Trevor was talking about so you end up talking with Cody Cody gives you his I think it's like way of the samurai or he gives you some like trading card path 
Path to Glory. And that's his little book where he has all of the finishing blows from the Steel Samurai series. I forgot about that. <laughs> Keep going, man. You got it. Keep going. Oh, fine. Leave me, leave me to do it. Okay. <laughs> I, I think he forgot to take himself <laughs> off mute because I hear him in the other room. There's a lag to it. In... <laughs> but anyway, um, you get to day three trial where you um, investigate, <coughs> sorry, cross-examine Cody, the little kid. And it's pretty funny because they have to put him on this little, like... Stool. What do you call him? <laughs> like, yeah, stool pretty much. Just so he can, like, see above the stand. He's like 8 or 10 or something like that, right? Yeah, he's just... A, he's a second grader. This, this is my part that I was talking about, though. Because uh, you have to cross... You and um, Miles are cross-examining him. And the judge is kind of... Huh? I skipped ahead a little bit. This is where you cross-examine Salmonella first. Um, but I don't know if he had anything really interesting to say. I don't think so. Uh, I think it kind of just points out that there was more than one person, or I, I think this is just to prove that there was more than. It was more of like the time window, like they they took a fifteen minute break during their meeting. In those in those and states. They, oh, and he didn't no eat, way. and he didn't eat, right? Nah, he ate. He looks like he. Oh yeah, he ate. He, he looks like he could finish the steak in fifteen minutes. <laughs> oh man, that steak thing. But um, yeah. Uh, basically, you're, he basically tries to make it seem like they worked the entire time they had. Like uh, there was the rehearsal that the directors and the producers sat in on between the two actors. Then after that, the director and the producer went to a meeting in a different section of the studio and he tried to make it seem like they were there the whole time and they didn't take a break but you find out that they did take a break and they were also they also ate as well so um he proved to be like a not trustworthy witness and i think pretty much um this is the part where mr monkey's head became a big point of contention and Edgeworth kind of calls him out, like or calls right out on um, accusing Sal at this point, because it's like he was stuck at Studio Two, and he couldn't have gotten to where the murder was allegedly, where the murder allegedly happened. So at this point, Wright calls Cody to the stand. I think is that right, Marcus? Uh, yeah, we'll go with it. Okay. And then, so I, I'm pretty sure it's day three Cody's on the stand. No, no, actually, no, this is day two. Yeah, so Cody's on the stand day two, and he basically, um, he, he, ba- he He's too afraid to admit that the Steel Samurai lost. His hero lost, yeah. yeah. But, like, the, At the, first, he makes it sound like, oh, yeah, the murder went through exactly like everybody had described, but then it's like... Why didn't you take a picture of the finishing blow? You always do. And I, the thing that I did appreciate or whatever, because he's written very immaturely, um, as a kid would be. And it was funny because the judge kind of says that, hey, I need you guys to take it lightly. Like, he doesn't know that he actually potentially saw an actual murder. 
he thought he saw like they were just acting. So yeah, be careful with the words you use around him and just like the language you 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 use. And it's funny because. I mean, Phoenix Wright does a good job of it, but when Miles says anything, he kind of just blows Miles up and just kind of, like, disrespects them in the way only a kid can, and Miles can't take it. And that that was the part that I was talking about, where Miles just kind of react his reactions when the kid is, like, telling him off and snapping back at him is super funny. (laughs) Oh, Um, the other funny thing about this part is... um... So Cody doesn't really like Phoenix Wright at all, but he, whenever Maya transforms into Mia, he um, he gets like super complacent and like agreeable. I don't blame him. And I think, I think Mia is with you at this part in the trial, if I remember. Yeah, like so. In case two, she showed up just at the end, but I'm pretty sure in case three. She's pretty much there from the end of day two all the way to the end of the trial. Pretty sure. No, she's not there the last day. Oh. Because Maya runs out of spirit medium juice at the end of day two trial. Okay. But yeah, you pretty much realize, oh, like this, the boy says it went down this way, but it actually didn't go down this way, right? So, I don't remember, like, what happens. My but... bad. Like, the mute button keeps going on and off. But, um, pretty much, Cody reveals that he did take a photo, if I recall. It was a photo. Did he take a photo? Just, it was a photo of the Steel Samurai outside of Studio 2. That's right. And so and that was one of the things. You couldn't easily see the two just because it was cut off. Yeah, so, and like. that also flip the case on its, you know... Yeah, because the the body was found in Studio 1, and Studio 2 was supposedly in disrepair, but it ended up being, oh, well, the Steel Samurai actually went to Studio 2, so what's going on? And you also find out that Jack Hammer allegedly gave sleeping medicine to Will Powers? Yep. (sighs) By planting it in a stake? In a stake, yep. So, yeah, basically, the end of day two, you're tasked with, like, okay, so what was he doing at Studio Two? Who, because you you accuse him of um, putting sleeping pills in Will's food, but you don't know why, and you don't know if he actually did it, so they have to run, like, DNA tests on it. And then on top of that, you need to see, you know... uh, who it was in that suit if it wasn't Will. Because you're not sure if it was... Um, what's his name yet? Uh, Jack Hammer. Hammer. And then basically, at this point, you just go to um, D and you talk to her, and you, you get more dirt on her, and uh, talk to Will. So Actually, you talk to Will first to find some uh, background and the director and the producer and Hammer, and um, he kind of tells you that, he kind of says that Jack Hammer was the star five years ago, some incident happened, and he no longer... He fell he's, from glory. Yeah, he's indebted to Vasquez, so it's like, oh, there's another blackmail situation, so then you, you know, go talk to 
<laughs> Vasquez, and she pretty much has her goons strong arm you when you show her this picture of like why you think that she did it, and her goons are about to strong arm you, and then detective. Like she's part of the mafia. Yeah, and uh, detective uh, Gumshoe pops in last minute to arrest Vasquez, and so basically you go into that. Uh, that third day as she's the the witness or whatever you're you're cross-examining her statements and uh going into this third you day also sorry just one quick thing you talked to old bag at one point and she has a photo of the incident that occurred five years very conveniently yeah yeah she has a, a picture of like the end result which is some actor got knocked off of some place in Studio 2 and impaled on the fence by Will um, Powers. It was an accident, but it was that's the, the incident that they're referring to. So, um, day three, your trial, you're cross-examining Vasquez, and she's just being her normal, like, super slimy self and just, like, dodging all the, the questions you're asking and not giving, like, f- full true answers. And, um, I think you kind of, at a certain point, uh, and I think Dante, you said this part was going to be the part that got us stuck. So the part that I thought everybody was going to get stuck at was, um, in the previous trial, there's a specific part in Salamonella's thing where you have to press, you have to press them on one thing and then you immediately have to press them on something else. And I've gotten stuck there once or twice when I've played through the game, but. I guess none of you ran into that issue, but I do think this next section is, I don't even want to call it hard, I just don't think it's great how they did it with the um, T-bone steak. Yeah, I'm, I messed up at this part, so I actually failed at this part because uh, I got to a part where I was stuck in this uh, investigation, or the, the, the trial, and I kept presenting evidence that had nothing to do. I had to prove some type of fallacy in one of the statements she was making, but I didn't know what piece of evidence it was. Like I knew what I wanted to say as the person, but I didn't have the information that I could present in the game. So like if I was Phoenix, right, I'd be like, well, what about this thing? But the only way you can object or present an argument or a counter argument is by it being backed up by a piece of evidence. And I didn't like, there was no evidence tied to the statement that I wanted to make. So I was just like, Oh, let me present this. Let me present this. And I presented five different, but incorrect pieces of evidence. And I failed and I hadn't saved up to that point. So I had to start the entire trial over. And I was like, you know, six parts deep in at that point. So it was a little annoying, but I was able to get back to where I was at within five minutes. Did you run into something similar like that, Trevor? Yeah, but it was more so along the lines of me trying to present the wrong evidence for the wrong statement. So, like, I knew what I needed to present, but I was presenting it during the wrong part of their statement. And that was where I was getting marks off. Did you have any issues with that, Greg, at all? Um... In this section, not in particular, there was, I think, maybe one other time earlier in the, I guess, in the second case where there was a, a few times where I was just 
I thought I had presented the right information for the, for the right statement, but I didn't. Um, but I didn't run into too many issues on this one. I, I may have like failed or given the wrong answer like once or twice, but it didn't really have like too big an issue. Dante? Yeah. So I managed to mess up a couple times and it's kind of funny since I've played through this game. I think this is probably my fourth playthrough. Whoa, whoa, you played through a game more than once? Hey, man, when it's a good game. (laughs) I just wanted to give you crap. Go ahead, man. (laughs) But, um, yeah, I I don't know why, but I didn't think the T-bone steak thing was the right answer just because the statement, Sal and I ate T-bone steaks on the table in front of the trailer. You have a T-bone steak in your inventory, but it's associated with something else. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't think it was the right evidence for that time. It was so frustrating. Yeah, because like it was so frustrating because you go to one the where the actors were at and they had T-bone steaks and they had bones on their plates, right? And then you go to the other studio and the, the where the director and the producer ate and they supposedly had T-bone steaks, but there was no bones on their plates. So it just felt really weird to present, like, a T-bone steak from a different (laughs) location as evidence. And if you didn't remember that tidbit from the investigation phase, there's really no way you could have that was That was a part I was referring to, too. This was another one where it was like, I don't remember what they said they ate. So, like, because, you know, I didn't necessarily play this whole case in a day or so i think i played it over the course of like three or four days so i had forgot a little piece of uh, uh, that tidbit of information and i don't know if this is something they fixed in the later games or it's a part of this game i don't remember but sometimes when you're cross-examining a wit- witness you'll occasionally see like pictures instead of just having the generic court background and that's normally to provide like a context clue of what you're supposed to be seeing. So, at least in the latter Ace Attorney games, they would have had a picture of Studio 2, and you would have seen the pictures of the plates. Gotcha. Yeah, they don't have that for this. Yeah. Trevor, you got something you want to say? One thing that I wish was more prevalent was, like, when you're in investigation mode, and you can actually look at the environment, like, some of the stuff that you bring up during the trials... I noticed, like, just looking around the environment, like, when I saw that they had the T-bone steaks on the plates in the employee area, I was like, okay, everybody here had T-bone steaks. And then once you get to Studio 2 and you look at the plates and you're just like, wait a minute, somebody didn't have a T-bone steak. You know, were they eating pizza? You know, where were they? And so some of that stuff, it seems like, I don't know, to me it would have been better if that would have been something you could have taken note of and brought up during the, the trials. Some way to bring it up, right? Yeah. Cause it's like something as the player that you know was off, but you don't know how to present it as videos. Right. Yeah. Like when I first went to studio two, one of the first things I noticed was one of those, um, like in the, in the flower bed, like one of the little, uh, spikes that's coming out of the ground. I noticed one yeah. of them was crooked. And, yeah. of course, that becomes more important, like, later in the trial. But it's not something where you can tell Detective Gumshoe 
who apparently is not doing his job, like, hey, you might want to take a look at this tested for, um, you know, dried blood or something on it. I don't know. It just, it just seems like there should be more emphasis put on the investigation, like being able to find stuff in the environment. Yeah, yeah. Or like tire marks where the van was, or because it made it seem like the van hadn't been driven in a while. <laughs> and they literally used that. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. <laughs> yeah, so like when you investigate it, it's like, oh, this, you know, an old studio van. And then it's like, oh, well, are there tire marks? Or like, because it was used in this case or whatever. But um, you end up investigating, or excuse me, cross examining Vasquez and. I think ultimately you uh, get... Also, Vasquez wants nothing to do with Edgeworth. Yeah. She's like, let me handle this, you fool. Yeah, she kind of downplays the uh, needing Edgeworth's help, and then it becomes a tag team. Oh, like, Edgeworth ends up joining your side, and it's super crazy because he seems like... He objects because, like... like it looks like at, at a certain point, it looks like I think they call it the battle of the wits. It's between you and Vasquez and it seems like Vasquez has you beat and then you see objection and I'm thinking like, wait a minute, I didn't object to anything. And then it comes, ends up being from Edgeworth and then he ends up joining your side. And like, he even has some moments where he just objects for the sake of objecting. He's like, Oh, I thought I was going to have something to say after this. <laughs> and, that moment was so good. He's like, objection. Um, I thought I'd have something. Objection. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, like, it's it super, like, it, it makes me like the character even more. And, but, and then, but it's also kind of like what Dante says, too. It's like, so far, I mean, this is the third case. You don't beat Edgeworth, you know? It's like, case one, you don't, it's you versus somebody else. Case two, it's like, it's Mia that, like you said, kills steals the win for you. And then in case three, he kind of helps you out, you know? <laughs> so at no point, like you've won, I mean, you end up winning these first three cases, but at no point do you actually beat Edgeworth. So it's like, you know, he ends up helping you out and you guys got to prove that, kind of prove that, oh, well, the, the jackhammer drugged um willpowers so he could steal the steel samurai suit and he pretended like he had a limp uh leg so he was posing as willpowers and he went to studio two to confront vasquez for the blackmail that's been going on for the past five years and she ends up killing him by pushing him off the stairs onto the railing just like the accidental death that she was blackmailing him for and i guess she in collusion with Sal Manila, the um, director, they take the van and drive the body uh, over to Studio One and drop it off and dress it in his um, normal clothes so instead of the Steel Samurai costume so that uh, it looks like... No, they also like they incinerate... Could... The pre- like, they incinerate... The steel samurai costume. Yeah, yeah. So like they basically because they basically try to blackmail or he tries to call him out on call her out on blackmail. She kills him and sets him sets up both powers to look like he was the one that killed Jackhammer. 
And uh, so you end up absolving. Go ahead. I was just going to say it's a little messed up because Will Powers essentially gets framed for crimes twice in a single trial. Like Hammer was going to Hammer was going to frame him for Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> and then immediately after, it's like, "Oh man, this guy tried to kill me. Let me try to frame it on the same guy that the my killer was about to frame it on." Yeah. Um but uh yeah, uh, yeah, so you end up getting powers off and he's found not guilty and it's funny cuz in uh after afterwards, you go to the lobby, and uh, Powers is shocked that Hammers wanted to frame him. So he kind of asked right why he wanted to do it, and he was kind of like, "Well, Hammer was just jealous that you were a big star because he used to be," and um, and it, it made him it seem more endearing because Powers was like, "Well, if you had a problem with me being the star, we could have switched places with because I respected him a lot." So it was just kind of like, "Damn, this person he respected, like." he would have done whatever for this person. And this person almost set him up, you know, to be the fall guy for a murder. And, um, uh, afterwards, um, Maya, she congratulates, uh, Will for his verdict. And Edward appears and quickly interrupts and, uh, right. Phoenix, right. Thanks Edwards for helping him. And then, uh, they had some kind of weird interaction. Can you explain this? Dante? Yeah. It, it's kind of starting to allude to the fact that they knew each other before um, Case 2. And Maya kind of picks up on that. She's like, you guys you guys know each other? You kind of get this weird interaction, like these old friends that haven't... <laughs> that haven't um, spoken to each other in a long time. It seemed like it went deeper than that to me. Like some kind of unrequited love. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> Some thugging love. <laughs> this ain't no dream, Daddy. <laughs> but um, yeah. So you you so so far. I mean, that's that's caught us up to speed as far as the three cases. I think uh, Dante had requested that we all like at least start up case four and get the little the, the just the intro video. The intro. Did you did you guys check that out, Trevor and Greg? Because I did. Yeah, I watched nah, it. I didn't. I forgot about that. All right. Well, we're gonna. But I, I could go look it up on YouTube. I mean, we'll spoil quick. it real quick. Okay. So, like, I think it. The I just watched it before we started this, but I think the way it starts off is um, these two figures are standing on this boat, uh, or just, you know, in the, in the middle of this body of water, and um, <clears throat> I don't remember that they're talking about something, and it's almost like it's trying to make it seem like uh wait let me here it goes it's okay so here's the dialogue it's been what 15 years about that yes 15 years is a long time to wait you can't imagine how much i've suffered you suffered and now the perfect opportunity presents itself after 15 years of waiting, I'll finally I shall have my revenge. What? And then it pans over and it says Merry Christmas, and then it's a gun, and it just fires. (laughs) (laughs) And then you find out, uh, so then you see this, because there's these two figures, and you see one of them falls into the lake, and you see who fires the gun, and it's none other than 
Go ahead, Dante. Miles Edgeworth. Yeah. So Miles is gonna be I'm guessing the defendant and you're gonna have to prove Miles innocence. But that ending we just like what? Merry Christmas <laughs> shoots him. <laughs> Trevor, you hyped? Yeah, man, that last scene had him on there looking like <laughs> like Mr. Jefferson. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, so I I'm look I'm looking forward to it. So it's my this is my favorite character, so I wanna see what's going on with him. Um and actually one other thing we didn't point out, uh this is the last case in the original game, right, Dante? Yes, so originally this was a Game Boy Advance game, and it had four cases. When it got moved over to the DS, they made an additional case, Case 5, that kind of, I don't want to say it links directly to the fourth game, but it kind of starts bridging that gap. So what's the through line for like some of the characters or... Are basically, I know Phoenix Wright and um, maybe Mia are like recurring characters. Those two, those two. I'm guessing um, the Judge and Gumshoe. Judge Gumshoe is mostly original trilogy. He he appears sometimes in the other games, but as far as recurring characters, it's primarily Nick, Maya, and Edgeworth in the Judge. Gotcha. Um, do we got anything else we need to cover as far as uh, um, what you guys hope for the last these last two cases? I'm hoping that uh, I mean we already know that Phoenix is gonna help out Miles. Miles ain't going to prison. We know that. So I'm hoping that I get to see some more. I'm looking forward to seeing some more uh, faces for Miles. Some more emojis, emo, emo, uh, meme-worthy faces. <laughs> I haven't looked, but I'm pretty sure there's got to be plenty of gifts of uh, the characters from this definitely. game. Oh, definitely. They actually have a website where you can um, have somebody yell objection from the game, and you can type in your own custom text. It's really good. <laughs> of course they would. Um, well, anything else we need to cover? I would highly recommend getting started on these cases quickly. Because case four is at least as long as case three, and then case five, which personally I'm not a huge, huge fan of, but it's all right. I think that one might be slightly longer than three. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Can do. All right. Well, that is it for the first part of Phoenix Wright. Um, we will be covering the second half, uh, so case four and five, uh, on the next episode. Um, do we have any questions, Greg? Uh, I just checked it. No, we don't. Dang, but uh, of course not. <laughs> again, you know, if you guys uh want to get involved with the show or share thoughts or talk about what we are playing for the week, uh, you can hit us up at misscheckpoints at gmail dot com. Um, and where can people find you, Greg? Uh, I am all over the internet. You guys can find me on Twitter at Boombox Hero, uh, Facebook, same way, Boombox Hero, and on Twitch at twitch.tv slash xdrdmagnegrox. Where can people find you, Trevor? You can find me in Wakanda. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, you can find me online, Lyric Unsung. Okay. Uh, <laughs> where can people find you, Dante? They literally can't right now. No they internet. literally don't have internet. Shout out to Trevor for being able to house you for the show. Yes, thank you, Trevor, for accommodating me in this trying time. And you can find me in the breach. That's where I'll be at. So, um... Oh, and uh, one last thing. Uh, for the month of May, <coughs> uh, we are going to be doing another fan-selected... Uh, that's going to be another fan-selected month. So we are now taking submissions for games that you guys would like us to play for the month of May. So I think right now we have a handful of games that people submitted. We're going to be trying to get some more, um, we're going to try to get some more. So, uh, what wrecks we got uh, off the top of my head. Uh, the only ones I remember is the (laughs) campaign of Dragon Ball (laughs) fighter Z, um, Subnautica. And there was two other games, but I think one was over the 20-hour limit. Basically, the only requirement is, ideally, uh, it's a a game that at least came out, didn't come out this year or in the last 12 months, but that's fine. It could be a new game. But the main main, uh, requirement is it's just no longer than 20 hours. Uh, But... um, other than that, it's fair game, and uh, we're doing new submissions, so like, even though we have, like, I don't know, 40 submissions, 50 submissions for December, uh, I mean, we're not taking any of those into consideration. You can resubmit some of those games, or those games, but uh, we are doing a completely new list, so um, we And don't will... expect us to play a game again. Yeah, don't expect us to play a game again either, but we will... Um, be taking no bionic commando huh hey we can play the first one rearms <laughs> we can play rearms <laughs> um but uh we're gonna be taking submissions throughout the entire month of march and then i think we will have the vote take place some point in april while we're playing trevor's games and we will probably uh, we'll probably announce the games the first episode of trevor's um month and then on the second episode, we will probably announce the winner. And then our next batch of games as well. So be on the lookout for the new, the next uh, batch of games, the next schedule, at the end of next month. So do we got anything else? Any other housekeeping stuff? All right, then. Um, well, we are mixed, missed checkpoints. And we are out. Peace.